Welcome to the Social Justice War Room, the podcast where we talk about social justice and fiction, reality, and everything in between. My guest today is the creator and administrator of the On Tenterhook Collective, which is a relatively loose but close collective of web comics that are thriller-ish, the definition of that being the loose part. And she's also the author of the 80s inspired urban fantasy comic, Now Hiring. I'm proud to welcome Spell Adeg. How are you doing, Spell? Uh, pretty good. It's been a nice Monday so far. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so again, I owe you a lot for creating this On Tenderhook collective. And it's... And my own comic, or the Wirecats, is part of it, fitting the mm-hmm. thriller set criteria about as loosely as you've the got others. enough, um, like suspense threads running through it that it qualifies good enough in my book. Um, the main goal for like on on Tenterhook is to create community for people who have comics with high-end suspense stuff um, and really just have community. Um, Honestly, I wouldn't have done this thing if I could have found uh, a collective to join to be a part of a community, but there wasn't anything focused towards what I was interested in. So so I decided to start something. Well, it's worked out pretty well because you've recruited a lot of different creators whose works, while all having that thrillerish criteria, are extremely diverse. There's slice of life with elements of like sleep-related horror and something like Here mm-hmm. I Lay Awake. There's like military dystopia in in some of them and I guess one of the main threads is that they're all like long-form comics that they're not yeah they're people... not anthology focused um yeah I I don't think that on Tenterhook will be focusing on anthology type works or like small self-contained episodic works in general it's a lot harder to get um like a consistent thriller thread through there um What's been really exciting is we've almost doubled our numbers since uh, last submission period when this thing first started. Yeah, that's great. And Mm -hmm. the Discord has been very active. Oh, yes. There's been there's been some degree of community event, though. Like you said, you aren't organizing anything as big or as strict like an anthology at the moment. Nah, nah. Um, I I do think that it would be cool in the future. Um, there's a couple of different fiction, like just prose fiction, um, thriller associations in this area where they um, raise funds for the collective by publishing like crossover work. They'll pair up different authors and then have them work together with their respective characters um, and just write little short stories. I think something like that could be fun in the future, but that's going to be a few years out. 
Yeah. Well, for now, when there's just like a loose suggestion that everyone oh, yeah. draw their characters in crop tops. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm very excited for that. That's going to be a fun April Fool's. Yeah, so I've gone my entire life up until now without ever hearing the phrase on tenterhooks. What, what are the origins of that? Okay, so um, on tenterhooks is an old British phrase, I believe. And um, it comes from like letter drawing and skin drawing. You would hang your skins or like duck cloth that you needed to like prepare on these hooks. They were the tenter's hooks because uh, they're actually pretty close in shape to like tent spikes, uh, very sharp, don't get stabbed by them. But it's the uh, cloth or the skin would be held taut until it dried entirely. That way, when you come back later, it's stretched into shape, it's stuck there. But uh, the whole time, the cloth is held in a state of tension. And so it came to be associated with tension and anxiety. Because if you lose tension in one area, then it's probably going to go flying. Yeah. And even though I didn't know the origins of the term until now, the mouthfeel of on tenterhook is really mm-hmm. good and appropriate for the collective. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad. And one thing that I've also appreciated is that it's a very inclusive collection in terms of nationality and gender. It's been really cool to see um, just how many different varieties of story and author are behind things. Um, Honestly, I wasn't expecting this big of a diverse group. I'm very happy. I just want people to tell stories and come together. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so going to your own comic in the collective, Now Mm -hmm. Hiring, which I've been happy to reread a couple times for this. You mentioned that the char- the main character, the deeply disenfranchised alien war refugee Max is someone mm-hmm. you ha- had created long before you create a story to match him. Yeah, um, he started out just as a doodle character like several years prior. Um, he was just, uh, well, before I attached a story to him anyway, uh, he was just some angry, tough guy, mercenary man who was edgy and cool because that's what 16-year-old me thought was really, really interesting at the time. I have since nerfed him, um, which is how he came to be the way he is. Yeah, um, it's hard to imagine that with when the strip opens where he's depressed and impoverished and constantly supplicating himself to get whatever work he can. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a change. Um, oh, shoot, I had a train of thought. It has escaped me. Um, but what, what I am very excited about with now hiring is exploring the terribly confusing and interesting gray areas where if there is not sufficient infrastructure set up for people, they will find what they need. 
in less than ideal ways because things um, get better for Max, ironically, when he's working for the bad guys as media would typically paint the mob. Um, what's really, really interesting is how organized crime um, like entrenches itself in communities by doing things like forming the unions, funding hospitals, funding schools, doing all of these things and pointing out all of the weaknesses in existing infrastructure. So I'm, I'm having a fun time exploring that. Um, unfortunately, it is somewhat to Max's <laughs> expense. So I'm, as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking how very, very appropriate it is that this is set in an alternate 1980s, the decade <laughs> of Reagan basically shredding our social safety net. Yeah. Um, it was placed in the 80s on purpose, specifically 1983, because that marks the beginning of the war on drugs, which ultimately caused a lot more harm than good. Um, just considering there's no, like after the DEA gets money and supplies and all of these different things from cartel t-shirts, which are the lowest rung, uh, they're just, they're the runners, they're the delivery boys and delivery women and just <clears throat> they're the people who get caught in the crossfire who are just trying to make it um but anyway it ultimately just hurt them and the cartels continue to get off scot-free um but anyway all of that money it, it has to go somewhere so busts fund new cars new things for the DEA departments and stuff. Um, I highly recommend a read of Wolf Boys. It explores some of the corruption within the DEA. It's very interesting. Um, I like it especially because it takes a very personal thing, because um, honestly, policies don't mean shit if they're not personal. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they say it's a war on drugs, because drugs are an inanimate object. Yeah. And it's one thing I noticed though is that I, I saw the main mob, mob character in the story mm -hmm. is cool. He has she clear what? She. She. Uh, she. she is a woman. Okay, she, sorry. She has a a very cool design with a like bright red suit mm -hmm. and definitely has an impressive way of maneuvering the criminal underworld. Yeah. And um, that's, that's one place where it departs as well as like the different alien races, of course, because oh, yeah. <laughs> in real life, the figures behind this kind of inequality, the real villains aren't cool. They're just petty. Yeah, I mean, ISIL's petty as hell. We'll get into that later. Yeah, but... But, but it's like, if you made a, a story with a villain who was based on Donald Trump and there hadn't ever been a Donald Trump, you'd think it was just too one-dimensional to believe. Perhaps. Um, it would depend on how you had the rest of the world set up. Well, there's, there's all those th other stories like from Back to the Future 2 with Biff to like mm -hmm. the Mario Bros movie with their version of 
King Koopa, where the bad guy is clearly playing off of Trump because they realized back then that he was such an asshole that even children could immediately recognize that he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But that this is obviously not a story for children. And no, much to my chagrin, when I started writing this, I was uh, under the misconception. It was like, yes, this is a story teenagers will like. And then I'm drawing explicit drug use. And it's like, hmm, actually, no, this is not going to work the way I thought it would. Yeah, though there is a lot of content diversity in the tenterhook, which is why you have the roast rating system. Yes, um, the tonality system based on coffee because it's easy to, well, (laughs) it's simple. I like simple things. Um, And it's pretty self-explanatory, which is really, really what the purpose of it is. Um, But yeah, you start in like light and light medium roast and go all the way down to dark roast. Um, And And the the light roast (laughs) is in terms of like what would trigger alarms from traditional content warnings for sex violence and profanity, not in terms of story intensity at all. Um, Well, it's about like the overall tone of the story because a story can cover very difficult topics without strictly like explicitly showing them. You could have a story that has like drugs or abortion or like immigration, any of these interesting hot button topics, but it's really about how you handle it and how you go into it that decides what the tone rating is. Like uh, the the Dome, which is a story in On Tenterhook. Oh yeah, um, I just read that. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Has a lot of like interesting themes going on, but it isn't like all explicitly shown. It doesn't show you the beat by beats of, of everything. It relies more on the emotional play, which is really cool to see. Yeah, and I try to make Wirecats about the same content level <laughs> as like Batman the Animated Series or Avatar mm-hmm. Last Airbender, where they were accessible to kids, but they dealt with much yeah. more mature themes, which is mainly because it's a vector for all my lefty politics. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to have the overt content warnings get in the way of the covert indoctrination, so to speak. I think it's more interesting to explore ideas that way. Um, And ultimately, stories are a playground for exploration, which is what I love about them. Yeah, Um, but that doesn't mean there isn't room for explicit stuff. Oh, definitely not. I've got drugs. There's a few titties that'll show up eventually, but oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, and... I mean, there is a sequence where Max is clearly contemplating jumping off a bridge. Where He's actually not. He's just trying to figure out what he's going to do now that he uh, yeah. came well, across. But uh, the, the onlooker, 70s Uncle Van, um, there are good people in my comic. Yeah, 70s Uncle Man is great. He's got yeah. like the gray mullet and mustache combo uh, mm-hmm. that you see on the old solid snake oh i actually didn't know that that's pretty cool yeah i also associated him with victor sullivan from the uncharted games just mm-hmm. like very much an of the time style mm-hmm. that is marked by the person having been alive at the time by them being older mm-hmm 
yeah I just I wanted him to look like <laughs> a greasy old man but like a good greasy guy not a bad greasy guy but uh also still in love with disco you could probably put good greasy as a review quote on for the collective in general <laughs> good greasy man as opposed yeah. to the bad greasy man yeah so you say you've been drawing since high school, if not earlier. That's when you came up with Max. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but obviously your work's become a lot more complicated and impressive since then. And I know there's a lot of texturing on the pages, even though it's mostly black and white with some limited color splashes. You see like splatter effects and the kind of creasing <laughs> of an organic canvas yeah is it I it's um so I I used to do all of my storyboarding and stuff traditionally um I do it digitally these days on an iPad because it's it's a nice easy format um but I do all of my pages digitally and um this comic actually started out as a full color work but I was working full-time at the time and uh it was it was a mess <laughs> it was an absolute mess to try to balance doing that so I um I made the difficult decision to switch to black and white or limited color and um that's when I realized I needed to actually learn how to ink things nicely <laughs> um so I studied and did the grind for a while and started to get good thank goodness um because I actually really like the comic even better now that it's in black and white than I did before well um, as far as like that web comics of, right the the basic appeal of a genre with literally no barriers to entry but mm -hmm. it also has like the kind of learn as you go feel to it yeah yeah, eventually I'm going to go back and uh, remaster some of the dialogue and stuff, but I'm not worried about that until I start thinking about uh, print runs and stuff like that, because uh, I picture this as a printed work. Um, as far as like the texture and stuff that I have, it's it's just a photo of some watercolor paper that I have overlaid with some splotches and stuff. Oh, nice. And, uh, it just it helps because I can use it to up the ambience and do different things depending on what I need the story to do at any given time. Yeah, and it's you've also put a lot of effort into the backstory of this being a fantasy world where there are aliens like Max mm -hmm. who are refugees from From battles. the Swathivalans. Yeah, yes. and you've also done quite a bit of material explaining like the biology of the different alien races and what they look like on the inside mm -hmm. is that go going to appear in the collected physical edition do you imagine uh sorry when you say collected physical edition what do you mean you say you want to print it at some point oh, right yeah i mean it'll probably be like something you can flip through in the back of um a graphic novel print like wow here's how it works um I do plan to use the artwork in a later chapter because um no one in my comic is without their woes yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh 
yeah, because uh, Keo gets to have some fun, 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 fun discussions with her university advisor soon. It's going to be great. Keo is the one who's been helping Max learn mm-hmm. English and is effectively and his only that, friend. Uh, friend is a stretch. She thinks of them as friends. Max does not. Um, they have a very strained relationship. Her being one of the people who had previously, like, of the at least of the race of the people who had previously enslaved his people, it's pretty strained. And uh, basically, the only reason Max talks to her is because she's the only way that he can get food and previously could get lodging. It's complicated because people trust her word well over his. Um, and so it's it's very strained and she keeps asking questions about his upbringing and stuff like that. She's doing it for her anthropology degree. Um, she's going for her master's right now. And that brings up the thing because for her, this is anthropology. And for this, it was Max's lived experience as a child soldier. Yeah. And that's kind of a tremendous power imbalance since oh, yeah. he was, she is part of the race that caused that war. No, they, uh, the Swapis caused the war um, because they didn't like their created slave race rebelling against them and their genocidal, well, at least a lot of the home world stuff is, they're not a monolith by any stretch, um, yeah. unless I misunderstood. But uh, yeah, the Swathi started it. The Amkas just didn't want to be slaves. They just wanted to live their life and do yeah. their own thing. And it, but uh, obviously Max faces discrimination as an Amka, but mm-hmm. he the discrimination he faces seems less because he's an alien more just because he's different and suspicious with his dark gray skin and big ears it's painfully realistic and comparable to real life housing discrimination yeah like they a lot of humans just don't know what he is they've heard maybe the phrase amka on tv um but kojimakand which is where a lot of um like most of the population is living right now is just this like little blip of gifted land up um approximately in british columbia if this was going to be like real life map stuff um but it's an undesirable little plot of land and they are basically just kind of left there to hopefully die because that's what the uh the swathi are hoping anyway because uh they're technically on swathi land it's exciting yeah and you mentioned since this is in the 80s Mm -hmm. that are there any particular cultural influences on the way you designed the world um I have to make a confession. I actually don't like the 1980s at all. I just, I needed Reagan in office and I needed Pablo Escobar to be alive. Those were my two things. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's, every era has its great work and its bad work, but this was 
also the era in which, for one thing, regulations on TV were slashed so that you could basically have toy commercials without the pretense of much story. Mm-hmm. So, and in that sense, it seems better that you don't have the kind of attachment to the 80s that the vast majority of Hollywood seems to. Yeah, the uh, the weird fetishization of like, oh, the 80s were so much better. Uh, I, I don't really like that. Like, if this was going to be like the when I grew up thing, this would be a terrible early 2000s story. But honestly, that doesn't really fit. Um, that oh. and there's a lot more interesting like technological limitations that I can circumvent because sci-fi bullshit magic is my favorite thing because there is like somewhat accelerated technology um, but like not all of it is known to humanity um, it, it depends because like faster than life light travel is a thing because there's wormholes and stuff like that that have been harnessed for quick gate hopping as it's called but uh, most everyday people don't have access to that. They're hard to get to. So like the technology's there, it is just prohibitively expensive. That's another thing that's hardly far-fetched even when it doesn't involve wormholes. Yeah. <laughs> so going forward, what, what can we expect from both now hiring and the larger Ontenture Collective it's part of in the coming months? Uh, lots more shenanigans and hopefully some upcoming interviews. Um, I've got to talk to some people, but I'd like to uh, conduct like interview review sort of things, um, not unlike Ink, Sweat and Tears, um, an affiliate link that we have that is also a webcomic review blog, but I want to uh, highlight the people in our collective as we move forward. Um, in general, though, for now hiring, expect your feelings to be hurt, because I know it hurt my feelings to draw it and to write it and to keep doing it, but I love it. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here. Thank you for coming on the mm-hmm. podcast. Bella Degg, everyone, you can check out her comic, Now Hiring, as well as many others on the On Tenterhook Collective, links below. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Cheers.